welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com, part of Edge Sports. It's been a quiet couple of months as I've uh, tried to take a little bit of an offseason here, but we've missed a lot, especially in terms of the free agency action leading up to the NFL draft in about a month. And so today I'm having Mike Clay from ESPN on to help me break down which players change values because of their new free agent destinations. To keep up with everything going on at Football Outsiders and with me, be sure to follow us on Twitter at FB Outsiders for them, uh, at Scott underscore Spratt for my direct Twitter account. And without further ado, let's get to Mike Clay. Okay, joining me on the podcast today is ESPN fantasy writer Mike Clay. Mike, how's it going? It's been a little while. Hope you're having a good offseason so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a busy off season, right? I mean, geez, I, I feel like I've been grinding the last few months as much as I was during the season. And uh, a part of that is updating the projection model. I mean, we officially now have an 18 game regular season, yeah, which true. means 17 games for all the teams uh, as opposed to 16. And that's a, that's a lot. I mean, it, you know, when, you know, at, at ESPN, you can use punters, kickers, you know, re, yeah, return stats, a defense, head coaches, everything. So there's a really a lot that goes into oh, yeah. uh, updating no the little things for the, the longer season. So it's been a, it's been a grind, but Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good to be busy. You know, it's, there's always football in the air. Yeah. You're a hard man to keep up with because I was prepping for this show, which I'll get into in a second and noticed that you've already updated your dynasty rankings and your rookie rankings and such getting ready for the NFL draft uh, in about a month. So I'm well behind because I'm having you on today because I wanted to talk about the major free agent moves and, and how that changes fantasy value for players. So thanks for kind of backing up in your mind for a few weeks. But yeah, it's just been a <laughs> ton going on this offseason. No, it's 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 cool. It's cool. It's, uh, you know, any any excuse to talk about, uh, you know, talk, talk football. So um, and, and it's you know, we're moving on to that point now to start prepping for drafts like yeah. capsules and, and all and draft guides and all that stuff. So uh, it's good to, you know, step back and look at this you know, the reactions here from pre-agency. Absolutely. And since I'm doing this all at all at once for our podcast, I want to go through quite a few players today, which means we're not going to do quarterbacks. Uh, we can probably talk about that another time, but even just focusing on running backs, wide receivers, and, and tight ends for fantasy, there's a lot of guys that I want to hit on. So we'll probably do this as more of a quick hitter type of approach. And since that may take a while, let's go ahead and get into it. Starting with running backs, where I think the biggest one, and it's a little bit weird to say, is Kenyon Drake signing with the Raiders. Mike, do you think his fantasy value is going to increase, decrease, or stay the same with his new team? Uh, no doubt it's going to decrease yeah. from what we saw last season. I mean, this is a, a layup for sure. You know, last year, I don't think people realized this. Drake was uh, really busy near the goal line, right? He was. You know, he, it, it's kind of unbelievable. He was no lower than 12th in snaps, carries, rushing yards touchdowns you know he was second in the nfl and carries inside the five third in otd i mean the volume there was was more than i think people realize so uh carries will sh certainly go down with josh jacobs he's the better runner he's going to be the the workhorse when they want to run the football drake will be you know he, he's going to be involved when they throw the ball but his efficiency there has not been good throughout his career i think that would surprise people but his production has been very volume based and they say they're going to use him at wide receiver we hear that all the time, right, Scott? I mean, sure, yeah. they'll they'll run some two running back sets. That's fine, uh, cool, whatever. But they also signed Willie Sneed, and they have Ruggs and Edwards, and they brought in John Brown, and they have Darren Waller. Like, there's other guys. I'm not, I know that's not a great unit, a great crew at wide receiver, but they still sign these guys for a reason. They're going to be on the field. So uh, Drake falls to maybe a borderline flex option in PPR leagues, 12-team PPR leagues. You know, we'll see. Maybe he gets a little more volume than we expect and, and can provide some fantasy value, but definitely a big hit from where he was. Yeah, completely on the same page with you, Mike. For anyone looking at yards per carry and saying, hey, Jacobs 3.9, Drake 4.0 last year, neither one great. Are we sure Jacobs is the better runner? I mean, I'm pretty sure. And kind of getting into the, the goal line stuff, Jacobs 1.98 yards after contact per attempt versus 1.72 for Drake. Jacob's also 31 BMI versus 27.8 for, for Drake. So I think the more natural you, uh, player to, to kind of work there, and in my mind, the more talented player. So completely with you. Mike, do you think there's another player that benefits by uh, by Drake signing with the Raiders? Uh, yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, for now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> th th things could change um, out in Arizona. But for now, Chase uh, Edmonds is clearly atop the depth chart. Uh, the other backs there, Eno Benjamin, who was the seventh round flyer last year, and Jonathan Ward and Kofani Muhammad. I mean, that's their mm -hmm. depth chart at yeah. running back. So if the season started today, 
yeah, Edmonds would be ranked as an RB1 by us, right? Because we yeah, know what he could works. do as a pass catcher. Yeah, right? He, we know he, what he could do as a pass catcher. He stands out there. And we've seen him get high volume as a rusher at times. Uh, and he has succeeded there as well. Um, you know, he's he's going to turn 25 shortly, still kind of in his prime year. So there's some optimism. But, you know, if I'm drafted today, and, and a lot of you listening, I'm sure are doing best ball drafts, you know, hesitate a little bit because mm-hmm. it would be no surprise whatsoever if they spend a day two pick on a running back. And it could be one of the big three. And if that's the case, it's going to crush Edmonds. You don't do that uh, if you want Edmonds to be your workhorse back. So um, something to think about. He has a chance to be a breakout player this year, but they're definitely going to add it back, right? It's just a matter of who that running back is, um, and it could limit him a bit. But either way, Edmonds, uh, for now, uh, has the looks of an RB2 with RB1 upside, but I think his value probably will fall a bit after the draft. Mm -hmm. I'll piggyback on that just to say that, while Edmonds had 4.6 yards per carry last year, 23rd at the position among the qualifiers, just 36 in terms of success rate. I think he had kind of easier difficulty carries, probably because Drake was so heavily used near the goal line. Yeah, you're yeah, you're you're just really quick on that. You're exactly right, and we see that all the time. You know, I think about Darren Sproles in his prime, always had an elite yards per carry. Yeah, uh, you know, and. the reason for that was he's running against nickel and dime defenses, right? That, that matters, you know, defenders in the box is huge. And you have to consider that when, when looking at a stat like yards per carry and a lot of people say, ah, that's, that's a waste of time. Don't bother with it. You know, if you add context to it, there could be some value there. You know, you just have to, you can't just flat out compare yards per carry. You have to add some context and, and you're exactly right with Edmonds who's averaging, you know, uh, you know, he, he averaged over five yards per carry in 2019 as well. Same kind of thing, running against uh, a lot of nickel and dime. And and there's no, you know, it's a small sample. The guy is a little over 200 career carries. So a lot of things to consider there. Definitely. Okay, next back, Jamal Williams signing with the Lions. Do you think increase, decrease, or stay the same? Um, I think it's about the same, right? He's going to play very, a very similar role. Uh, he's not the feature back. It's going to be uh, DeAndre Swift there for sure. I don't think Swift is the kind of guy where you're going to see him handling 20 carries and seven or eight uh, targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably more like a Alvin Kamara role where you're around half, you know, half, maybe 55% of the carries and then a big role uh, in the passing game. And by the way, Anthony Lynn, even when Austin Eckler missed time, with the Chargers, the target share was well below, well above league average for running back target share out there in, in uh, L.A. and San Diego. So uh, keep that in mind. Swift is going to be pretty involved in that department. Williams will as well. Um, and I think he'll handle a reasonable chunk of the carries. I have him at right around 30% of the design runs for Williams. I don't think that's going to be enough to where you're like, okay, I'm going to put him in my flex this week. You're not going to mm-hmm. feel great about that. But he's a pretty decent handcuff. They seem carry on Johnson seems to be falling out of favor. Would not shock me if he was traded. Um, we'll keep an eye on that. But it is a swift show. He's a borderline RB one of PPR leagues. Williams, the handcuff and and uh, you know the uh, you know just a, maybe a bench a bench option, a depth guy for your fantasy team. I think I'm probably going to agree with you a lot today, Mike. So hopefully that's not too boring. But agree, and I would warn <laughs> warn fantasy players. Don't look at Adrian Peterson's full season numbers from last year as a guide for this because weeks one through nine, 12.1 carries per game. And then weeks 10 through 17, 5.5 in the healthy games that Swift played and Swift kind of the, the reverse trend there. So I think that's kind of what you're looking at for Williams, which may not be fantasy valuable in, in tr- traditional leagues. Uh, is there a player that benefits, do you think, from from the Williams signing, uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it could be two guys, honestly. I mean, Aaron Jones, I think could get a career high in touches this year. And that's not just because of the extra game, right? I think he could actually get a little bit of a boost and passing down work, maybe in carries, but um, some of that will depend on the progress of the guy you're referring to, which is AJ Dillon, right? Yeah. Uh, The Packers did not take a running back in round two last season for him to just chill on the sideline, right? He's going to be involved. Uh, He's huge. He's built uh, in a similar way or, you know, I'm not going to say he's this good, but he's built kind of like Derrick Henry, right? He's almost 250 pounds. The guy's uh, massive and athletic and and has good speed for that size. So he's going to be involved, could steal some goal line work. Uh, The area where he's not going to do anything we think is in the passing game again, much like Derrick Henry. And that's where Aaron Jones can really shine. So um, perhaps a target boost for Jones, maybe a few more carries with Jamal Williams out, but Dylan uh, is going to be involved on early downs. It could push, honestly, Scott, for maybe 9, 10, 11 carries at times, depending on the game script. So uh, there's some value there, a guy you want to throw on your bench. But again, keep that in mind in PPR. Even if mm-hmm. 
Jones, you know, if Jones gets hurt, fine. All bets are off. Dylan could be an RB2, maybe more. Uh, but if Jones is playing, Dylan not getting targets could be problematic for his flex value. And and I know Jamal Williams always kind of flirted with that flex line. I don't know that that'll be the case with Dylan unless he really is is getting a lot of breaks and scoring a lot of touchdowns. So a uh, couple of things to weigh there, but Dylan certainly should be on benches. Yeah, th- this may be more of a dynasty point than anything else. But Dylan, 3.20 yards after contact per attempt. Just 46 carries, but that would have been number one if he had met the 100 carry qualifier. So he seemed to fit what the ideal for him was when he was drafted. Okay, yeah. next up, Mike uh, Mike Davis. How do you think he his value changes with the Falcons? Um, well, look, I, I mean, it's this is an interesting one to consider because his value was not really good last season unless Christian McCaffrey was out, right? right. So yeah. um, if we're comparing it to when Christian McCaffrey was out, um, I would say it's down because obviously he was, he was providing uh, at times mid RB1 production, uh, but he is for now the, the lead back on, on this roster. It's Edo Smith, Quadre and Tony Brooks, James. That's their depth chart right there. Uh, Davis is the top guy. Um, and I do think that, you know, they're with Arthur Smith there, they're going to run the ball a lot more. This has been a pass heavy offense for a long time. Uh, they're in Atlanta under Dirk Cutter and others. It's going to be more of a run first offense. So, I don't think they're done, right? I think they're gonna they're gonna add, uh, you know, a a clear feature back, uh, much like uh, Smith relied on Derrick Henry in Tennessee, and and we'll keep an eye on that during uh, draft season here. They didn't really have money to go get an Aaron Jones or a top uh, running back, but for now they bring in Davis. He's a I think he's an ideal number two, but not necessarily a number one. So I don't think they're done there for now. Davis is a guy you could take a, a flyer on or add to your dynasty bench if transactions are open, but mm. if he's still out there, but it's not a guy I'm counting on as a starter uh, come, you know, July, August, September when we're, when we're drafting. So I'm probably a little bit biased as a Panthers fan watching Davis and just loving him last season, but I think I had, I think he has a chance to be the lead guy and I'll point to two numbers. One, 25% broken tackle rate last season, second among running backs, also, 2.46 yards after contact per attempt was 12th, and Derrick Henry was was fourth in that stat. I think Arthur Smith coming in from the Titans, I think he was looking for a, for a Derrick Henry type of player to work as sort of a good fit in the play-action style offense. I think he's a great fit, I think, among all the players that he could have gotten unless the Falcons end up drafting uh, one of the top running backs in the draft. I think Davis is going to be the best they can do with that this season. So I, I have some optimism. It's probably for the best though. We, we won't have to make that decision in at least redraft leagues until we see what happens in the draft. But I think Davis could be a really nice fit for the team. Yeah. I'll, I'll just add this. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm struggling to buy it. I mean, remember this is a guy that was signed to a two year deal by Chicago and they cut him mm-hmm. loose pretty quickly and turned the backfield over to David Montgomery and he didn't have a role there. Maybe that was a mistake by them, but you know, he's been around for six years. I mean, do we expect True. him to have a, a 27, 28 year old breakout? He's never had more than 165 carries in a season. In fact, before last season, he only had a little under 250 and he had 165 last season. Uh, and he fell off, right? He had those huge yeah. workloads uh, when McCaffrey first went down and then they started to scale him back with more Rodney Smith and other guys in there because he just, the efficiency was really starting to plummet. So I'm not sure uh, he's built to be that guy. And he's not, he honestly, he's uh he's a journeyman. I don't think he's uh, a major difference maker and I don't think he's the plan for them. Um, honestly, I don't think he's the plan for them as the lead pack this season. So uh, we'll see if that changes. It's really going to uh, come down to how the chips fall come draft day. Yeah. Listeners should probably pay, you know, pay more attention to you there. Cause I, I've definitely fallen for this before Alex Collins with the Ravens comes to mm-hmm. mind. So uh, we'll see, but I, I hope for the best for my guy, Mike, Mike Davis. Um, is there a beneficiary you think of the Davis signing there and, with the Falcons? Um, a beneficiary. I, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I really don't. Um, you know, again, I, you, maybe you could point to they're a little weak at running backs. So they're going to throw more, but I don't think that's the case. I think, uh, you mm-hmm. know, a guy like Matt Ryan and even Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to take a hit in their fantasy value this off season because they were, you know, Ryan was already, struggling to flirt with QB one numbers Jones and really we know where at times when they played together last season they were both top five fantasy receivers but this was a a super high pass volume offense I think that comes down this season I again Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be run first and that's going to limit volume for those guys a little bit and and frankly I'm going to be low on on Ridley in drafts I know that and uh, Jones we'll kind of see where he falls he's an interesting one because tons of talent but he's 32 injury plague season new offense there's a lot going on there so uh, his ADP will kind of drive how I feel about him this year. 
Yeah. I'm a little bit more optimistic for the Falcons offense, I think probably because of Smith specifically. And I'll point out that with Ryan, or I guess with the Falcons versus the Titans last season, the Falcons were about as good in terms of differential on play action versus traditional dropbacks, 2.6 more yards per pass attempt on play action passes versus 3.3 for the Titans. But the Falcons just didn't use play action nearly as much as the Titans, 25% versus 35%. So I think that could be a big change that even if the Falcons aren't throwing the ball quite as much, more efficiency per pass could make Ryan a little bit more valuable, at least until he loses his job to a new quarterback that the team may end up drafting. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of stuff still up in the air for the team, but yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I hear you. Just keep in mind, Matt Ryan, uh, third, third, and first in pass attempts over the past three seasons and still uh, only has one top 10 fantasy season to show for it, whereas Ryan Tannehill mm-hmm. was 18th in pass attempts last season and was probably in a similar department when he started the year before. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he was seventh in fantasy points last year, but he played elite ball. I mean, he's been in the elite quarterback over the past year and a half. There's no, True. you know, an elite touchdown rate, uh, his touchdown interception rate's unbelievable. His efficiency's unbelievable. That's where Matt Ryan probably needs to be in a low volume offense just to get to we'll say mid to back end quarterback one numbers that's a high bar so that's that's kind of my concern there that's true okay we got a few more running backs we can probably go through these guys a little bit more quickly because they're not major guys but Mike Boone signed with the Broncos how do you think his value changed um, probably a little better, uh, especially if he's ahead of Royce Freeman on the depth chart mm-hmm. and Melvin Gordon. I, I don't know if he's going to be suspended. We'll see, you know, obviously in an incident last year, we'll see if he ends up suspended or not for a game or two, uh, that could help. But, um, I, I tweeted this the other day. I think Denver perhaps could draft and that maybe surprise people and draft a day two running back. Uh, one of the big three, maybe even as yeah. their future, Melvin Gordon is going to a contract year. You have Boone, you have Freeman, Philip Lindsay's gone. Uh, they're, a, a, actually a location where you could see them drafting someone. So, I, I don't think I'll be drafting Boone much this season. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you there. I will point out just kind of as an interesting little thing to keep in mind, probably on waiver wires, that Boone was a wide receiver in high school and averaged, you know, really good yards per receiving numbers at college in Cincinnati. Both Melvin Gordon and Lindsay, which I guess isn't relevant anymore, but they had near bottom of the barrel receiving DVOAs last season with the team. I think mm-hmm. that may be scheme related to a certain extent, but maybe Boone makes an impact as a receiver. Uh, is there a beneficiary, you think, another one of of the Boone signing? Um, I guess a, uh, I guess a little bit in Minnesota, maybe an extra touch or two for Alex Madison behind Dalvin Cook, but mm-hmm. um, he was already the two, and he was already the guy that when Cook was out, he got the bulk of the workload. You'd see a little bit of Boone, but really it was the, the Madison show. So I, I guess, if anything, he's more secured in that two job. Yeah. Next up, we have Marlon Mack. I, this, I kind of cheated because I didn't include other guys that re-signed with their teams. But since Mack missed all the last season, <laughs> back with the Colts, how do you think his value changed? Oh, it's crushed. I mean, come yeah. on. I, I mean, unless Jonathan Taylor misses, goes down like Mack did last year, he's in trouble, right? So he basically came back one year deal. He's going to try and get his feet under him, get back to full health, and then test free agency again uh, next season. I think it was a you know, again, we don't know all the details. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe he didn't have any good offers. So, and, and Indy gave him the best one, but I, I don't think it was a good decision, right? I think if you want to rehabilitate uh, and get a workload, you go elsewhere because we know Taylor is going to be the the workhorse for the Colts. And when they're throwing the ball, it's not like they're like, okay, maybe we'll throw to Taylor a little more and give Max some carries. You have Naheem Hines in passing situations, right? So True. Uh, there's just not a path to consistent touches for Mac. He's probably looking at, at I don't know, four, five, six carries and no targets every week. I mean, he needs he needs serious injury help above him on the depth chart. Now, he is one injury away, one injury to one of those guys, and he'll play a lot. But um, at least to start off the season, he's not going to be on the field. Yeah, I was going to ask. Jordan Wilkins had 84 carries last season, and I was going to say over or under that for Mac. Probably under, right? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, because Wilkins was playing a lot early on and then, uh, Jonathan Taylor kind of took over, right? So he was struggling a little bit, but, um, I'm just pulling up my projections here. I have Taylor with 269, Hines with 59, Mack with 64, and Wilkins only with a handful of touches. He may even be cut, uh, if they don't want him on special teams. So, um, again, it should be the Taylor show and and Mack's just not going to play much. Okay. Next up, Malcolm Brown joins the Dolphins. Uh, what do you think about this for for his fantasy value? Um, I don't think much of it. I think he'll play mm-hmm. a similar role to the Rams. Maybe occasionally he'll annoy us with a touchdown or you know something like that. But uh, Miles Gaskin was underrated last season. We're still giving him no respect in fantasy. 
Uh, and maybe we shouldn't. Maybe they will draft someone in the end of the first round or in the second round this year uh, and kind of kill his value. But he was pretty good. Actually, he had the best yards per target amongst running backs last season. So um, Gaskin still atop the depth chart. Salvin, um, uh, it was the Salvin Ahmed, right? He uh, mm-hmm. he was solid in his place. He was okay, serviceable. And then you bring in Brown there as as kind of a competition for that two job. But we'll see uh, if they draft someone. If they don't, maybe there's some insurance value there, but really it's going to be the Gaskin show if the depth chart remains as is. Yeah, I like the Dolphins as a team to draft a, a running back because they have, what, five of the top 81 picks in the draft. So there's they had that kind of option to go with that in the second round or whatever without sacrificing in other p- positions. Yeah, but we we everyone, everyone had them mocked a running back last year, right? At the end of the True. first round, everyone did. Um, and they didn't do it. So you wonder, maybe in, in-house in they're thinking, hey, uh, the analytics are right. We don't need a running back. We're, we're going to spend all of our assets elsewhere, and we're fine with Miles Gaskin and Malcolm Brown and, and Ahmed, and we'll be I fine. Would, you know, we'll, I wouldn't we'll spend... criticize them now. Yeah. yeah, no, I wouldn't either. I think it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting route, and I have no issue with it. Do you think there's a beneficiary of, of Brown going to the Dolphins? Um, I'm going to say no just because – I don't think Brown re-signing with the Rams would have mattered. It's uh, It looks to be yeah, the Cam true. Akers show for the Rams, right? And you think about what Todd Gurley did, not just in, in terms of efficiency, but in terms of volume in Sean McVay's offense at the goal line, all that work. They, McVay loves to run the ball at the goal line. Loves His teams always have a high rushing touchdown total. He's near the top in all those categories the past couple of years. If Akers just holds up, and gets that workload, you know, he kind of like what he did down the stretch last season, the guy's going to be an RB one for sure. And maybe mm-hmm. he makes that huge leap, right. And becomes a, a fantasy superstar. So I'm super excited for Cam Akers. Totally. am too. Uh, and I agree with your sentiment there, but just to like kind of hammer it home for fantasy players, Cam Akers only had 14 targets last year and Brown had 33. So I think you're talking about a chance to maybe triple that for Akers this season could be just a huge volume mm-hmm. of work and great fantasy value. All right, next up, Carlos Hyde joins the Jaguars. How do you see his value changing? Um, it's probably one of the better case scenarios for him, right? Um, so, you know, he's, he's basically the top insurance guy in Jacksonville, and he's with his old coach. He really wanted to play there. So it's it, James Robinson's the guy. We know that he probably won't be quite the workhorse he was last season. Uh, you just you don't bet on guys playing 90-some percent of the snaps like he was most of last season. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he's going to be the guy and, and Hyde's not going to play a ton. But if Robinson goes down, suddenly Hyde's right back on the fantasy radar as a, as a flex option. Mm-hmm. So not a guy that's going to he's not a very good pass catcher. We know that he's now he's going to turn 30 later this year, uh, right around the start of the season. He can handle some carries. That's about it. So I, I, it's not a guy I'll be drafting, but perhaps there's some deep league insurance uh, uh, attraction there. And, and also they could draft someone. It would not surprise me if they drafted a, a mid round back, a, or signed a Duke Johnson type, you know, a pass catcher sure. or something like that. Something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, Chris Thompson was supposed to be that for the team last season. It just didn't work out with injuries. Uh, but I will say to fantasy players, don't sleep on Robinson just because he was undrafted. I mean, I thought he was really excellent last season. 19% broken tackle rate, 2.58 yards after contact per attempt, was ninth at the position, and a bigger back at 31.6 BMI. So he's more like a Mark Ingram-sized back. So it's to my mind, this isn't, there's not really a chance that a Philip Lindsay type of trajectory happens here. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident in him. And so I'm kind of with you that there's not a ton of value for anyone else. Uh, is there another beneficiary potentially uh, of that signing though? Um, Hyde, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I know he's gone from Seattle, but again, when he was healthy, it was the Chris Carson show that hasn't changed. I do. Yeah. I do think Chris Carson, it, maybe, maybe I, maybe I should say yes, because Chris Carson so far in early best ball drafts has been undervalued. He's going in the fifth round. If he's healthy and playing as the feature back there in Seattle, I mean, he's going to do better than that. And they want to run the football more. We know that they don't want to be a pass heavy team anymore. So I think Carson is undervalued right now. And the number two running back on that depth chart is Rashad Penny, who we know is, has, has struggled with uh, durability. So uh, yeah, Carson, I think is pretty secure as an RB two. I think he would have been even if, even if Carlos Hyde was resigned. Yeah. Okay. I kind of just mentioned these, these guys, I'm going to pair them together because they both signed with the Texans, Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram. How do you see their values changing? Um, 
maybe a, a little better for Lindsay. I'm not worried about Ingram. You know, if he if he was still in his prime, you know, we would have seen more of him in Baltimore last season. But he was a healthy scratch and and barely saw the field. So nothing to see there. Um, I think Lindsay, if David Johnson misses time or falls off again, maybe they turn it over to him and he goes back to that rookie season workload in Denver and suddenly is volume is king, right? So if he gets that yeah. uh, top of the depth chart workload. Uh, he could have some fantasy value. So probably a little better than where he was in Denver last season. But again, he's insurance. He's not a guy you're going to start week to week. Okay. And David Johnson has missed four or more games, three of his last four seasons. So it's it seems like a plausible scenario, certainly. Uh, and then finally, do you think that uh, there's another player on either of those teams that benefited from from the Lindsay or the Ingram signings? Um, you know, we talked about, uh, Mike Boone, right? So he steps in and replaces Phil Lindsay. We already covered that. Um, and in Baltimore, no, because again, Mark Ingram just was not playing, right? He, he was already, uh, a non-factor. So, uh, JK Dobbins is going to be the lead back there, but Gus Edwards will be plenty involved. Um, I'm just working on, I was going through my annual team by team player by player projection process and our, our projections for ESPN fantasy are already live on the site, the first run for the season. So you can certainly head over there, check them out, defense, offense, everything. And, you know, I made uh, as, as part of that, I take notes and then I write a column, which will be out next week. And I was looking into uh, Greg Roman and Ravens back, you know, Ravens running back usage. And, you know, the trend there is it's, it's not great. You know, you just don't see Ravens running backs handling huge workloads. In fact, not since Ray Rice in 2020 has yeah. a Ravens running back handled more than 59% of their carries. Uh, and, and actually it's worse lately. They're at 40, the lead back in terms of carries is at 40% of the carries, 51%, 37, 51. And the 40 was last year it was Gus Edwards. So yeah. um, I do worry about Dobbins involvement in the passing game and, I know that he's going to need elite efficiency and some luck in the touchdown department to pay off his ADP, which is, it's going to be in round two, I think, you know, maybe he falls to round three, but it's going to be in that range. It's too, it's too much for me. There's just too many lead backs with major workloads. Guy, a guy like Miles Sanders, I'm going to take him over Dobbins. You know, he just has a path to way more touches and for better or worse, I'm going to chase volume in fantasy football. It's worked for me for a long time. I'm not going to change. Uh, efficiency is a small variable that I factor in, of course, but uh, volume is king. And Dobbins, I'm, I'm worried about it. I just don't know if he's going to get what we want from him. Very fair. Okay, let's shift to, to talk about some wide receivers. We actually have a lot bigger names here. It's just the position I started with running backs because of how important it is in fantasy. But maybe the biggest free agent move so far, Kenny Galladay joining the Giants. How do you see his fantasy value changing? Um, you know, I think it's it's similar, but you know, it's we're going back two years, right? I mean, he he really didn't play much last season, didn't have much value, but uh, I think he's a borderline top twenty wide uh, wide receiver right now. Um, he's missed quite a bit of time with injuries. Um, apparently, there's stuff behind the scenes going on there in Detroit as well that that led to them not wanting to even bring him back, which oh, is kind hmm. of shocking for. A I guy. didn't know about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they really weren't interested in bringing him back and teams wanted to interview him to find out what exactly happened, why things went sour with Detroit. But uh, nonetheless, uh, the Giants were happy. They signed him to a pretty nice contract. He's going to be their number one, but they also have some other guys to get the ball to, right? They love Sterling Shepard. He had a ridiculous streak going on of six plus targets. And I think it was like 25, 26 consecutive games. Uh, until late last season, Darius Slayton will have some involvement. They brought in John Ross to operate as a situational deep threat. Evan Ingram had a 22% target share last season. Say what you want mm-hmm. about him. They like him. They brought in Kyle Rudolph as well. Saquon Barkley is going to be involved in the passing game. He's back. So uh, kind of quietly, they they have a lot of mouths to feed. And and that could limit Galladay a little bit. But again, at the same time, the guy has a ton of talent. He's easily their their tallest wide receiver. He'll be busy near the goal line. So uh I think that kind of all adds up to borderline top 20 numbers. Keep in mind, though, one final nugget here, Scott. The Jets and the Giants tied for dead last in offensive touchdowns last season. How much better are they going to (laughs) be this season? It'll depend on Daniel Jones, of course. Yeah, it's true. But um, kind of going back to that point with Jones, like I I think that he actually is more capable of unlocking Galladay than one might expect. Like looking at, say, Mm -hmm. 7.8 yard average depth of target for for Jones versus Stafford last year, 9.4. It's like, oh no, Jones never throws deep. Something that Galladay does very well as a contested catch guy. But I would say Jones's deep accuracy percentage was actually more similar to Stafford's, 50.7 versus 53.9. So I think Jones is capable 
Um, and having Galladay maybe kind of leans him that way. And, and Jones's problems with like taking too many sacks, maybe fumbling the ball and stuff, that'll hurt Jones's fantasy value more than it'll hurt Galladay's in my mind. So I can see that wide receiver two value that you're suggesting there. Uh, is there another player that benefits from, from the Galladay signing? Uh, yeah, I think for now there are, right? Uh, Detroit has clean house at wide receiver. Um, their top four are gone. Their top five, uh, four wide receivers from last year are gone. For now, it's Brashad Perriman and Tyrell Williams atop the depth chart. For now, you know, they have some fantasy value, could flirt with flex numbers just because of playing every single mm-hmm. snap. But, you know, they've had injury issues of their own. Um, not the most reliable guys for sure. And I will be surprised if the Lions don't spend their their first pick on a wide receiver. You know, they that's one of the neediest positions in the entire NFL is Lions wide receiver. Yeah. Now they have other, obviously they have a lot of other needs, including holes this, everywhere. Yeah. yeah uh, including the secondary. Uh, but they did spend a first round pick on a corner last year. So I think maybe they go back to wide receiver. It just seems so obvious that that's the direction they're going based on uh, their moves this off season. So uh, uh, I think we'll have uh, an impact first round wide receiver and that'll be the guy that'll be on everybody's mm-hmm. radar come draft day. Yeah. And they're really well positioned in the draft uh, to get one of the top wide receivers. Like they're, they're in the right landing spot for that. So mm-hmm. I could see that as well. Uh, next up, Corey Davis joins the Jets. Speaking of the Giants Jets thing, how do you see his value changing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, interesting for sure. Um, again, a lot will depend on quarterback play. We expect Zach Wilson to be the choice at second overall. Um, and if that's the case, perhaps they move on from Sam Darnold and they start a rookie and then there's going to be a lot to learn. Uh, I think that they'll probably lean toward a run first offense out of the gate here with Mike LaFleur Fleur coming from the Kyle Shanahan tree and also a defensive minded head coach and Robert Sala, of course. So, um, we'll see how that all plays out for Davis, but he's 45th in my rankings right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that pretty much aligns with where he's going in best ball drafts. Uh, a, a hit from last year, he finished 30th, but he's been inconsistent throughout his career. Kind of took a step forward last season, but still not a um, a guy you felt super confident starting every week and certainly not a guy that lived up to his fifth overall pick pedigree. So uh, again, Davis, a flex option, I would say, in 12-team leagues. Yeah, I mean, I sort of see the same. In fact, I would probably say his value may have decreased a little bit because I, uh-huh. I do think Denzel Mims is probably the number one guy for the Jets too. And just a big quarterback difference, whether or not it's Zach Wilson or, or Darnold or whatever, it's just Tannehill averaged 0.73 fantasy points per pass attempt the last two seasons, second at the position. So it's just like that offense, whether or not that's totally sustainable going forward without Arthur Smith, like it's been very productive. And I think that's propped up Davis as a second receiver there that he probably just won't enjoy that same fantasy utility, even if he's very useful for the Jets, uh, for the team specifically. Hmm. Uh, That's just really quick. I'm surprised to hear that on Mims. You know, look, they took him in the second round last year and they hope he'll emerge into a superstar. I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm there yet. You know, I have him third, third, maybe fourth in target share on that team. I mean, Jamison Crowder's still there. I think Davis will will slot in as a higher priority than Mims out of the gate. Maybe that changes during the season. But uh, for now, you would think it's Davis and Mims on the outside, Crowder inside. But they also gave Keelan Cole, Keelan Cole. yeah, a decent amount of money, too. And, and you know, he could play outside and in. So I, I kind of view it as Crowder, Davis, and then kind of Mims and Cole battling it out for that third job. So uh, hopefully Mims wins it. I'm, I'm with you. I like him. I hope he emerges as a... Uh, you know, a, a star in this league. I have some some dynasty um, exposure to him as well, but uh, still a lot for him to prove. Yeah, the, the one other point I'll make there is that, and it, maybe we would have already seen it by now uh, if it was going to happen, but if the Jets released uh, Crowder, they would save $10 million of cap mm-hmm. space, which I don't know how relevant that is now that we're past the major free agents, but that's kind of what I've been expecting them to do. And so maybe I'm still stuck in that mindset, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. That, that would change things because I have Crowder with a 21 percent uh, projected target share right now. He averaged a 25 percent last year. But if you take mm-hmm. those, you know, that 20, 25 percent of the targets off on, the, you know, put them back on the table and distribute them to guys like Davis, Mims and Cole. Suddenly uh, it's it a different things. story. Right. So uh, but anyway, Mims, you know, if you think that's a possibility, Mims is not a guy to go, you know, not a bad guy to go trade for yeah. uh, in a dynasty league, especially if you're a Zach Wilson fan. I would advocate for that. Uh, Okay, next up, Curtis Samuel, former Panther legend, now with Ron Rivera as old coach in Washington. How do you see his value changing? Uh, You know what? This is a a tricky one. First of Mm -hmm. all, I think it's similar to last year, right? So um, you look at last season, he finished 25th in fantasy points, uh, you know, and I have him 37th on my board. I could see him being a little higher. So that would suggest a a slight downturn. But the big question is, uh, you know, 
we applauded Matt Rule and Joe Brady for how they utilized him last year, right? He was unlocked. They finally yeah. used him the right way. That was the, the whole narrative, right? He finally broke out uh, in that system. At, honestly, as the number three receiver there because they had Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. But now he's going back to his old coaching staff, the That's one right. we criticize, right? He's going back to Rivera, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know. Scott we, Turner. And, yeah. and, right, and Scott Turner. And, and we were, and before Scott Norf, you know, we were hard on them for not utilizing him correctly. His efficiency was very poor uh, that final year back in 2019. Uh, but they they changed the uses last year and, and uh, he kind of went off. So the question is, how will they utilize him? In Washington, do they they go back and say, "Oh, let's say it's the guy we had in 2019. Let's use him the same way." And he struggles with efficiency and kind of falls off the fantasy map. Or is it a guy who uh, who they you know they'll watch his tape from last year and find a way to maximize him? Now, I think they signed him because they're going to use him the right way, and he's going to be fine. And they know he's a good player. Yeah. And he's he's well paid, so I'm optimistic. Uh, there's also it's uh, got a, a clear path to touches here, right? They, there yeah, was a huge true. need. It was a huge need. You have Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas in the passing game, and then you were relying heavily eight uh 19 of your targets went to jd mckissick a guy that <laughs> couldn't stick with teams like detroit you know like he he's not that his efficiency was very poor you should not be building your passing game around jd mckissick so uh samuel can run the ball he could obviously see a you know 19 to 21 percent of the targets that's enough for him to be on the weekly uh wide receiver three radar so i think that's kind of where he falls maybe a slight downturn from last year but mm-hmm. still in good shape Yeah, I see it sort of the same way, Mike. And it's just like, yes, Samuel is more important to Washington with their other players than he probably was for the Panthers last season. But the Panthers threw the ball so much last season, both because they were losing all the time. And I think it's just because the the style of the scheme of the offense, where even as the third receiver, 6.5 targets per game, that was 45th highest among wide receivers. Even if he's more important here, can Samuel hit that number again? I'm not totally sure, which is why I have a little bit of pessimism there. Also, Washington could add like a physically big wide receiver too, or, or maybe just even target Cam Sims more if that's something that that they think he's kind of worth that target. That might round out their receiving core a little bit more in terms of you know traits. So I, I'm not totally optimistic for Samuel, even though I think he's a really nice team fit for the team, just not necessarily for fantasy. Yeah, and they brought in Adam Humphreys, too, keep in mind. So if he's healthy, yeah. he'll be in the slot. Samuel will be used all over the formation. So uh, they have more bodies there than they did in years past. Uh, do you think there's a player that benefits from Samuel going to Washington? Uh, if we pivot to Carolina, I mean, their replacement's David Moore. So they could still draft someone. They love to use uh, a lot of wide receivers. So that one surprised me. But I'll tell you what, I just wrote about this as well. I mentioned it a few times, actually. Uh, if you look at last season, right? So you look at pass routes run. Uh, yeah. for Carolina, uh, Curtis Samuel, you know, and, and well, let's put it this way. He, Curtis Samuel is right behind DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, Moore averaged 33 routes a game, Robbie Anderson, 32 a game, Christian McCaffrey, when he played 26 a game, Ian yeah. Thomas, Ian Thomas, their tight end, who was barely targeted 26 per game, right with McCaffrey, you know? So, and, and just behind their top receivers who are fantasy stars. So, uh, now they bring in Dan Arnold. He should step in as their primary pass catching tight end for now. You know, they may draft someone, sign someone else, keep an eye on that. But there's some sneaky value there because they just basically had a decoy. I could have been running the routes, you know, uh, <laughs> it didn't matter. They weren't going to throw, they were not going to throw the ball to him. Uh, they were just featuring these other guys. So a lot of targets are opened up. If they can find themselves a decent pass catching tight end and that guy starts getting the targets that match the routes, look out. I mean, that's, that's tight end one upside. So that's a situation I'm keeping an eye on. I wanted to ask you about Darnold or Darnold, Dan Arnold. Shoot, the Dan Arnold, <laughs> d- d- Sam Darnold just gets me every time. You know what? Wait till they, wait till Carolina trades for Sam Darnold. Oh my God. Trouble. Please, please don't do this to me. <laughs> um, but no, I wanted to ask you about Dan Arnold because uh, I think, again, being the Panthers fan that I am, I'm worried that I'm a little biased here. But over the last two seasons, Arnold has been the most efficient wide res- or tight end in terms of yards per catchable target. Um, so it's like, he's at the top at 13.8 yards per catchable target. And then here's the list after him, Jared Cook, Gronk, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, OJ Howard, Mike Gesicki, Mark Andrews, Darren Waller, Robert Tanyan. Uh, he saw fewer targets than all of those guys. So maybe some small sample size stuff going on here, or maybe this is related to him not being a featured part of the offense, but like, are we looking at a sleeper that could be a tight end one? Cause that's kind of what I'm, I'm looking at here as a possibility. Right. So maybe the next Logan Thomas, right? I think yeah. he, if you're looking for a short list of potential Logan Thomases for this year, uh, he would be on that list. No, no question about it. Now, uh, as for the efficiency, he was very good last year. You know, uh, 
yards per catch finished second yards per target third. Uh, but he also had the highest expected yards per target because he had the highest average depth of target in the league at 12 and a half. Right. So uh, yeah. part of those numbers is his usage, right? They, they just send him deep down the field and he makes some the occasional play. And that's why his numbers look so good. Um, but he had a pretty good catch rate as well. All things considered, you know, considering that he was, he's targeted downfield. Uh, but I will say this, there's a little bit of a sample size trap here, right? This guy is, hasn't even run f- 500 pass routes in his career as 76 for targets. So that's something to keep in mind, not to go overboard, but uh, you know, sometimes we we've seen this before. We've seen these kind of late career uh, breakouts out of nowhere or, you know, sort of out of nowhere, good situations. Um, and maybe he's the next, maybe he's the next guy, you know, maybe, maybe he is. So um, Arnold, I'm with you. He's a sleeper for sure. Uh, even if this team drafts a tight end, they'll be involved, but we know mm-hmm. that, Rookie tight ends are not, you know, fantasy relevant. You know, maybe Kyle Pitts is the exception. I don't know that Carolina will will get their hands on him. Uh, but for now, you're right. Arnold does have the look of a nice deep sleeper. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, next up, we have Will Fuller joining the Dolphins. How do you think his fantasy value changed? Uh, I think it's I, it's going to be hard to say it's even with where he was last year, right? I mean, when he was, yeah. when he was you know, pre-suspension, he was lighting it up. He was giving you wide receiver one numbers. Uh, now you go to a situation where you have Devontae Parker uh, joining you on the outside. You, you know, we have Lynn Bowden in the slot for now. Preston Williams is there once he's healthy. Mike is sick. He's going to obviously play a big role at uh, at tight end. And who knows? They might take Kyle Pitts. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Either way, yeah. I mean, they could take Kyle Pitts or uh, a standout wide receiver like Chase, right? So um, they, they may not be done at that position. Also, you have a you're going to an offense that won't be as pass heavy, right? Houston was always down to call the pass heavy game. They were super, super pass heavy. And they had an elite quarterback. Deshaun Watson played terrific ball first in yards per target or yards per, uh, per attempt last season. Now you go to Tua who's has upside, obviously a lot of pedigree mm-hmm. there, but he's unproven and he struggled last season to the season to the point that he was benched. So um, it's a downgrade in terms of situation, I think, but you should see a similar target share. We know he's very talented. He's going to be suspended week one, so keep that in mind when you're drafting. But once he's out there on the field, I definitely think he could get back into the wide receiver two conversation. For me, the more specific Watson versus Tua concern is with a deep accuracy. Watson perennially is top five in that stat. Last season, he was third, 58% deep accuracy percentage. That's obviously been sort of the public narrative around Tua, inability to kind of push the ball down the field. Although I'll say that I think that probably leans a little bit more on what the Dolphins wanted him to do last season than actual skill set. 46.5% deep accuracy percentage for Tua last season, slightly below average, but kind of in range with Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is often better than that, but he wasn't down in like the Drew Locke, Mitchell Trubisky under 40% range. I'm actually quite bullish on Tua, but it's that's not enough to make Will Fuller like a you know what he was last season from a fantasy perspective. Um, but I'll, I'll kind of jump on this for the potential beneficiary. I'm really bullish on Tua's fantasy value this year, Mike. So already 0.47 fantasy points per pass attempt last season was higher than Matt Ryan, Phillip Rivers, and Joe Burrow. But his skill group could be Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, somebody like Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, as you mentioned, Mike Gesicki. And then also wouldn't be surprised, again, as we mentioned earlier, to see them draft, you know, Travis Etienne or Najee Harris or one of the top running backs. So it's like suddenly super flush with skilled talent. If that sort of scenario comes into play, do you think Tua could have a lot of fantasy value? Yep. Uh, look, every year when I run my projections, as I talked about earlier, there's guys who stand out. And I, you know, after I refresh everything I'm and I'm scanning through it and kind of tweaking it for rankings, I notice guys who just stand out and uh, I'm like, man, why is he so high? And I have to dive in a little closer and, and try and understand why that is. And two is one of those guys, you know, right now uh, he's sitting 17th in my projections and it feels a little high, you know, in the range of guys like Burrow, who I uh, saw a lot of volume played pretty well last season, Matthew Stafford, Ryan, mm-hmm. um, you know, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence will be in that range. Daniel Jones ahead of Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. Uh, part of it is what he did, you know, what he can do with his legs. That's part of the projection as well. But you're right. His supporting cast brings him up. And you have a guy like Will Fuller with that speed. You know he's going to be able to push the ball downfield and have more success downfield with a guy like Will Fuller there, not to mention uh, Parker, Gesicki, and, and you know, yet to be yet to be determined rookie. So uh, I'm with you. I definitely think there's breakout potential. And the best part uh, from a fantasy perspective is a lot of people – are th- have thrown in the towel. You know, we yeah. see this all the time. They've thrown in the towel. You know, I, my, I see it all the time. Whenever I even mention young quarterbacks or the Dolphins, 
or talk about their impressive group of skill position guys. It's like, yeah, but who's the quarterback or their quarterback stinks or that, you know, you, you, you don't do that. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, this guy has played in the league for one year uh, and it was really a half season. We don't know, you know, he may progress in a big way and have a breakout second season. We've seen it time and time again, there's no reason to completely give up. So look, I'm not saying spend an eighth round pick on the guy, uh, but if you're looking for a QB two, you're looking for some upside, you're looking for a, uh, a buy low in dynasty, you know, Tua could be that guy right now. Agreed. Okay. Next up, we have a two for one special again, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, both joining the Patriots. Do you see any fantasy value for either of those? How did their value change? Oof, man, you know what? Even when the Patriots are struggling to find skill position guys, uh, there's still too many mouths to feed. It's just, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> it's isn't true. it? Because like Julian Elliman is going to turn 35 shortly, but he's on the roster. And if he comes back, we expect him to have a big target share. He's consistently been extremely high in that department the past few years. I don't think that changes. You have Aguilar, you have Jacoby Myers, who handled a ton of targets last season, a ridiculous target share down the stretch. Kendrick Bourne, they bring in for a reason. It's hard to find him more than a handful of the targets. For now, they have Nikhil Harry. I'm not really factoring him in. Then you have to keep two tight ends happy with Smith and yeah. Henry, uh, right? You figure they'll probably combine for around 30% of the targets. And then they bring back James White, who always is in that, you know, even last year, right? He seemed like he was a disappointment. He averaged a 16% target share in this offense with Cam Newton starting 15 of those games. So he's going to be involved as well. Um, this team always is a high running back target share, which is part of the, the McDaniel scheme. So um, again, there's a lot of names there. I don't think Aguilar or Bourne, have a, a pretty clear path to fantasy relevance unless they move on from Edelman or he's injured again and out. Maybe there's a situation where they can get to 20% of the targets. Aguilar is the most likely candidate, but they're going to run the ball a lot. Cam Newton's going to be at the goal line at from two yards out running the ball, not throwing the ball like he did last season. That's going to keep touchdowns. Remember, like Myers from week seven on averaged a 31% target share. That's Devontae Adams sort of yeah. conversation or uh, DeAndre Hopkins sort of usage. He had zero touchdowns, zero receiving touchdowns last season. I think he might've ran or throw, thrown one, zero receiving touchdowns with that ridiculous volume. Uh, that just tells you something about this offense. Even if they open it up a little bit more, uh, it's going to be a run first offense. It's going to be a low, uh, ball, uh, low passing touchdown offense, and it's going to hurt these guys. Yeah. I mean, I can't disagree with any of that, um, but I, I do have my eyes on Bourne with the caveat that I'm not 100% sure Cam Newton is going to be the quarterback for the Patriots. So if that changes, it, it sort of could dramatically change the run ratio of the team, and that may prop some mm -hmm. of these guys up a little bit more, where even if Bourne isn't isn't matching like that 30% target share like you mentioned, uh, I think that he's a talented player. Both he and Aguilar were top 30 in receiving DVOA on smaller volumes of targets last season. So efficient players that maybe in this system could, could benefit. Um, but you know, keep an eye on the quarterback before you invest anything there. Uh, is there a beneficiary for either of those two guys joining the Patriots, another player? Uh, I well, uh, the replacement for Aguilar is John Brown. So right now he's atop the depth chart. There could be some value there for sure. He struggled with uh, health as well. And he's about to turn 31, but uh, if they go into week one, I mean, you have one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the NFL and in, in an offense that averaged around three touchdowns a game last season there with Carr and, and the Raiders. So Brown has some appeal. I think his value is actually up from where he was last season. And then Henry Ruggs, of course, the rookie, you know, you could take a late flyer on him. He's not, he, again, he's a guy that people have soured on, but you can get relatively uh, cheap right now. So uh, Brown and Ruggs for sure. Uh, San Francisco, I don't think so. Remember Kendrick Bourne was a backup for the 49ers yeah. for the most part at best. He was their number three uh, in an ideal circumstance. He would not have played much last season. It would have been Debo. It would have been Brandon. Ayuk. It would have been Jalen Hurd, Most likely uh, he's yeah. missed a ton of time with injuries. So they have, they have other guys they wanted to work in uh, that, that didn't work out because of injuries. But uh, you know, I don't think much changes there. Yeah. I don't mean to be the fan of all the people that you know, like had bad rookie seasons, but I am kind of intrigued by Henry Ruggs 2.00. Uh -huh. PPR points per target last season, 23rd of 99 wide receivers with 40 or more. So an efficient player from a fantasy perspective, wouldn't be surprised to see him pass John Brown pretty quickly this season. And that's just based on pedigree, not based on really his like quality of performance last season, but somebody that I think could have some fantasy value this year. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Marvin Jones joining the Jaguars. How do you think his fantasy value changes? Yeah, I think Jacksonville 
is building a very wide receiver friendly offense. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see what what route they go. Obviously, Urban Meyer uh, is calling the shots there. They're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. We know that you have Robinson in the backfield. Uh, you did not prioritize tight end, at least so far, right? James O'Shaughnessy is currently their number one tight end. He's not going to have a huge target share, obviously. No. Um, neither is anyone. In fact, they they had a, a they had a potential pass catching tight end on the roster in Josh Oliver. He missed last season with an injury, and they traded him to Baltimore. You know, it was a day two pick just a couple of years ago. So, uh, and then what else did you do? You have DJ Chark and Lavishka Chanel. You signed Marvin Jones. You have Colin jo- Colin Johnson, who was a fifth round pick last year, a, a big, tall wide receiver who kind of flashed a little bit as a rookie. Then, you know, two guys that I've heard them talk about really more than anyone else, Meyer, you know, when, when they've kind of broken down their free agency class, is Philip Dorsett, who they brought in for speed, they say, and Jamal Agnew, who's, uh, you know, a former slot corner slash returner who they want to use on offense as well. So that's what I, I just listed six wide receivers. <laughs> and so I think that the Jacksonville seems to be setting themselves up to lead the NFL in, in three and four wide sets. That's certainly the impression I'm getting based on personnel. Uh, you know, I don't know why else you would be talking up Dorsett and Agnew. You know, they're, you have Charks and Alton Jones. I mean, how else are they going to get in the field unless you're using a Bills-like four wide receiver set uh, uh, scheme most of the time? So um, all that being said, I do think Jones has a path to a lower but similar target share to what he saw with Detroit. Um, They'll probably have to throw the ball a lot as they rebuild and and trail often this season. All in all, uh, you know, you would expect healthier guys around him as opposed to Detroit, right? He was always relied on as the one with Galladay missing time and other guys out. Amadola would be out, whatever. Um, But, you know, he's still going to play a pretty significant role. So for me, I think he's on the flex radar. Not what what he was in Detroit, but he's on the flex radar. His value takes a hit, but still a guy you want to draft. And so without getting too deep into the quarterback game, you think Lawrence can be like a plug and play? He's immediately capable of propping up guys in fantasy? I think he'll prop up guys. Uh, I think he'll be better than what they got out of that offense last year, which is yeah. not a bold statement by any means. But I and, and yeah, definitely. I definitely think it helps their cause. Lawrence, of course, like all rookie quarterbacks that aren't running all the time, like a Kyler Murray or an RG3 or someone like that or a Lamar Jackson, I don't think he'll be a QB one as a rookie. Just that's what history tells us. Uh, maybe, you know, in two quarterback league, obviously there's some appeal, maybe it'd be a QB two. Um, but, but to answer your question, yes, I think he will help the other guys. Yeah. And we've already discussed Brashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, and the, the state of the Lions wide receiving core. So let's just move on to AJ Green joining the Cardinals. How do you see his fantasy value changing? Well, it has to be better than last year, right? I mean, he was the least. Def- <laughs> Does it? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I hope so. They're certainly talking like it will, but uh, he was the least efficient wide receiver, uh, you know, when you consider the amount of volume he saw and how little production he got out of it. He was, he was the worst in the NFL in that department. But uh, there was a lot of deep throws. There were a lot of off-target throws from Joe Burrow. That was a problem. Um, so it's it's hard to know how much is to blame. I know he has decent separation numbers last season, but – at the same time, he's a year older. Durability has been a major uh, problem for him as well. And, you know, he'll turn 33 this year. But not a lot of pressure with DeAndre Hopkins as the one. Uh, he'll be able to focus on on being the number two and, and not drawing uh, a lot of coverage his way. Uh, and perhaps that helps him out. So I think he's... I think he's a sleeper. You know, I think maybe he could surprise us and have, you know, get get six, seven targets a game and score a bunch of touchdowns in this high-scoring Cardinals offense and and surprise. But at the same time, this is not prime A.J. Green. It's not a guy that I expect to be back as a in the wide receiver one conversation or close to it. So um, he is 56th on my board, which sounds low, but I mean, you go do wide receiver rankings. You know, you want a headache? You want to be scratching your head wondering like, man, how is this guy 40th on my board when he should be, it feels like he should be 20th. I mean, go, go try to rank wide receivers. It's so deep. It's unbelievable. And this is before we even inject rookies into it. So uh, it's tough. So 56 is a bench wide receiver. It's a lottery ticket and you kind of hope for the best. Yeah. I'm not going to tell a fantasy player not to draft green as a hopeful bounce back candidate, but I don't think I'm going to be the one doing it. The only other thing that I want to point out is that Joe Burrow averaged 40.4 pass attempts per game last season, Mm -hmm. Kyler Murray 34.9. So we're talking about, you know, more than five attempts difference, which makes sense because Murray's going to run the ball. And because the Bengals were so bad last season, they were always passing. So I think, you know, the target share may increase a little bit, but uh, 
I still don't think Green is going to get more than his 6.5 targets per game from last year. I think he's going to get a lot less. Do you think that there's anybody that benefits maybe on the Bengals for, from the Green signing here? Uh, I guess you are you feel a little bit better about a T. Higgins on the perimeter just being the clear number one. They have not replaced the guys that they lost, like, uh, you know, um, like Green and, and like John Ross. It's Boyd and T. Higgins atop that depth mm-hmm. chart. Uh, they don't have a go-to tight end either. You know, CJ Uzoma will be back from injury toward his Achilles last year. Drew Sample had some involvement. He had a 10% share last season. That's not much. You don't, you're not too worried about them throwing to the tight end a lot. So it should be the Boyd and Higgins show. They're the guys. I mean, out in Tate is, you know, he's always been a kind of a fun, deep sleeper, but he's third on the depth chart. They don't seem to love him. Um, and, and he's next up. So they, they're another team that could draft a, a wide receiver on day two or three this year. We'll have to keep an eye on that, but for now it's Boyd and it's Higgins. Yeah. Okay, there have been a number of other wide receiver signings. I'm not sure if any of them have value to you in 10 or 12 team leagues. So let's just call this a wild card. Do you think Emmanuel Sanders joining the Bills? We talked about a little bit Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams joining the Lions. Keelan Cole with the Jets, you mentioned. Sammy Watkins recently signed with the Ravens. Deshaun Jackson with the Rams. And you, I think you also mentioned John Brown with the Raiders. Do any of those guys jump out as maybe being the most intriguing of them as a sleeper for you? Yeah, not, uh, Jackson's missed too much time. Can't do, get too excited there. Sammy Watkins, you don't really like Ravens receivers. I mean, no. Marquise Brown struggled with fantasy value last year, and he was getting a massive target share, so I don't love that. Um, so the guy, you know, uh, you know, even Emmanuel Sanders, I, I don't love it. I mean, again, they super pass heavy, love three and four wide receiver sets. That helps him, but you still have Diggs and Cole Beasley clearly ahead of him. Sanders is... 34 years old has missed a lot of action. And you have Gabriel Davis, who might be the better player yeah. at this point in their career, not to mention Isaiah McKenzie, who they love uh, as well. And they might not be done if they bring in a pass catching tight end. So uh, I guess Sanders could flirt with flex numbers. He's a guy to keep an eye on, but I think he'll be inconsistent. So Gabriel Davis averaged 2.19 fantasy points per target since 20. Uh, he was a rookie last year, right? So yeah. that's but that's 10th of the 123 wide receivers with 50 or more targets since 2019. Not sure why I did a two-year run there. But, you know, we're talking about a guy that produced a lot on a limited number of targets. And so I'm wondering if he's a better fantasy bet than Emmanuel Sanders, again, with the age and everything else. I mean, mm-hmm. don't don't forget about Davis uh, on, on draft day is kind of my thought. Um, and then, Mike, let's close this up with a handful of tight ends. Not as many uh, – major moves here, but I think there's a handful starting with another two for one, John U. Smith and Hunter Henry, both joining the Patriots. I'm guessing that I kind of understand where you're going to come from here, given what you already said with the wide receivers. Yeah, uh, man, look, history just tells us that if a team has two tight ends that are going to be, we'll say, quote unquote, heavily involved in the passing game or consistently involved in the passing game, it's not going to work out uh, in terms of yeah. finding yourself a tight end one. I mean, I, I, I posted this on Twitter a few weeks ago, but it, going back to 2009, if you look at, you know, the team that had, this is going to be hard to word, so I'm going to confuse people, but you identify each year the, the highest scoring number two tight end, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, for example, last season, it was the Rams. Gerald Everett was the highest scoring number two tight end uh, at 24th and Tyler Higby was 17th, right? So neither one of those, guys you felt like starting week to week the year before it was Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard they were fourth and tenth that is a massive success story fourth and tenth is a massive success story it's unheard of before that uh you know it's the only other team to have a pair of uh top what is it top uh 13 tight ends was uh the Hernandez Gronk combination back in 2011 they were really the exception to the rule Uh, no other teams had two top 16 tight ends so um, I think they're going to hurt each other for sure. And I think it's really going to, you're, you're not going to feel great starting either guy. If I had to pick one, uh, I think it would be Jonu Smith. I think he's more likely to be, uh, have stuff scripted for him, maybe get a carry here or there. A lot of design screens for him when he was in Tennessee, you could see that in new England as well. So I give him a tiny edge. Also, he's been more durable. Of course, Hunter Henry's missed a lot of time with injury. So slight edge to Jonu Smith. I think he's a tight end too. I think Henry's more of a borderline tight end too, but again, I, I don't know that I'll be drafting either one. Smith may be more valuable too, and I haven't seen ADP or anything like that, but Smith was 19th in targets per game last season while Henry was 7th, which I think was simply artifacts of their their previous offenses and not a reflection on their talent levels. So maybe Smith will be the more valuable player relative to expectations, making him a you know a worthwhile fantasy pick, but yeah, I, b- by and large, I'm, I'm with you here that maybe 
like maybe the the quarterback, if it's not Newton is the player you want to target on the Patriots, there may not be enough for any skill player to, to really stand out. Um, but you can hit on that or anything else here. Do you think there's another player that benefits from, from either of these two signings? Um, I think you just go back to their old teams, right? Uh, Tennessee hasn't replaced Smith. It's Anthony Ferkser atop the board. And uh, man, he was, he's a legend for somebody out there, right? Didn't he carry someone to the Millie maker at DraftKings when he, he had that huge week last season. So yeah. uh, suddenly he's uh, atop the, the depth chart there for the Titans could be kind of a, a, a sneaky sleeper, but not a guy I'm overly excited about. They might not be done at that position. And then uh, for the chargers, I look, they brought in Jared cook, right? So he's, he's going on age 34. Uh, he contributed. I actually thought he was closing in on retirement mid season last year because he just was phased out of the uh, saints offense. You saw more Adam Troutman yeah, and then he bounced back. He bounced back late in the season in the playoffs. Maybe they were just resting him a bit. So um, they brought him in for a reason. He should be atop the depth chart, but uh, don't forget about Donald Parham. He's only 23 years old. Uh, he's, uh, already a football Twitter legend. Everybody loves this guy. I want him to break out with cook there. His value will be knocked down a little bit. It's kind of your chance to swoop in and, and throw a, uh, you know, take a, a, we'll say a lottery ticket on a guy, especially in dynasty leagues. And if cook misses time or his play does fall off Parham's the next guy up, and this could be a high scoring offense, a high volume, high scoring offense with Justin Herbert, uh, calling the shots there. It's true. Okay, since you mentioned Cook, let's move to him. He signed with the Chargers, as you mentioned. Do you think his fantasy value is going to increase or decrease or stay the same versus what it was with the Saints? Um, I think it'll just continue to degree, decrease. He's just getting older. It's not uh, the Drew Brees offense anymore. Uh, he was relying on touchdowns last season. And, you know, maybe he'll hit here or there with a the big week, maybe be, a, a again, a big DFS winner, you know, in the Billy Make or something like that with a two-touchdown week here or there. But he's going to have Parham on his rear end right away, pushing for playing time and targets. And uh, I just don't think he'll see a, a super high target share. Yeah, with you there. Uh, Cook's targets have gone down 6.3 per game in 2018, 4.6 in 2019, 4.0 last season. So I think you can kind of see the writing on the wall for a 34-year-old. And I'm 35, so good times. Um, Mike, is there, a, is there a player you think benefits from the Cook move there? Maybe somebody with the Saints? Oh, yeah. My uh, number one rookie tight end last year at least uh in my for long term right for dynasty yeah. purposes the number one tight end on my board was adam troutman he ended up going in the third round there was no first round uh tight ends last year and i believe cole commit was the only one in the second round so uh troutman did end up as one of the tight ends off the board uh in what it was, was somewhat of a weaker class but uh, i do like him i like his skills a lot uh 24 years old and he's atop the depth chart for now they brought in nick finette so no real investment yet mm -hmm. for the saints at tight end he could be the guy so uh tight ends usually take a while he might not really break out till year three but um he's uh he's a name i like in terms of talent he's a guy that if i can get on my dynasty rosters i'll do that and and in a you know a two tight end league or a, a league with deep benches maybe in redraft you're doing the same Okay, there are a few more tight ends, but I'm not really sure if any of these guys are super relevant, but I'll bring them up to see if you have sort of a wild card to talk about. Gerald Everett signing with the Seahawks, Dan Arnold, we talked about him signing with the Panthers, Kyle Rudolph with the Giants. Uh, I guess we've already kind of expressed our thoughts on Arnold, but do any of these guys maybe strike you as a potential sleeper for shallower formats? Uh, not too much. I mean, Rudolph only if they trade Evan Ingram, which is still a possibility, but I think is unlikely. Uh, you know, of course, with Rudolph gone, Irv Smith has some value. But keep in mind, uh, in Minnesota, that Tyler Conklin was actually he, Tyler Conklin out targeted Irv Smith in three of four games together down in the final month last season when Rudolph went out. So, yeah, uh, keep, that, <laughs> keep that in mind. I mean, I, I'm not so sure uh, Irv Smith is there yet. You know, he's he's very young. He's only 22. So maybe he makes a big leap at some point. I think he will. There's a lot of talent there. But uh, not a sure thing. So don't go too nuts with him expecting him to suddenly be a tight end one. Um, you know, and, and in Seattle, there's chatter. Is it going to be Gerald Everett? Is it going to be Will Disley? Is our top guy at Disley now a year uh, away from that Achilles injury? So perhaps he gets back on track. He was a guy that was giving you tight end one numbers each of his first two seasons before yeah, he had the major huge touchdown score. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's a pretty good offense. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. I, you know, Everett's, Everett, Disley, sleepers. We talked about Arnold as a sleeper. Smith, he'll probably be the first drafted of that group, but nobody that I'm counting on as a tight end one out of the gate. Yeah. 
Okay, Mike, this has been tremendous. Thanks so much for joining and talking us through all the major free agent moves. We've hit on a lot of the work that you're doing. You just, you know, you have so much going on with your dynasty rankings, your rookie rankings. You mentioned you're going to have an article about your first wave of projections, but what else do you have going on in ESPN or anywhere that people should check out? Yeah, uh, ESPN.com, uh, ESPN Plus, at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter. Yeah, rookie profiles are already up for all the top quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, tight ends. The top 80 rankings are there. Like the projections are already there. Our uh, staff rankings are coming up soon. Um, I'm working on on right, you know, capsules for all the players for next season, and and that projection article will be up soon. So there's so much more to come. I mean, the like I said at the top, there's the off season is about as busy as the as the regular season at times. There's just so yeah. much going on, and uh, you know, we'll we'll keep grinding away throughout the whole off season. Absolutely. Everybody, Mike's the best in the business if you don't already know that. So check out all of that great work. Meanwhile, we're going to kind of ramp up a little bit with the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. So look for some new episodes. We'll have some stuff around the draft coverage too coming in the next few weeks. So we'll look forward to talking to you then and uh, enjoy, I guess, your April. April coming up right right around the corner tomorrow. Uh, Thanks so much again, Mike, and we'll talk to you again hopefully sometime soon. Always fun. Talk to you soon, Scott. Mm -hmm.